With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. WNBC. It's raining Jimbo's from out in the sky. Jimbo's, no need to ask why. Just open your wallet and close your eyes. It's raining Jimbo's. It's raining Jimbo's. Out in the street. Hello and welcome back to We've Never Been Clicked. This is Cuppy Cup once again, and we have three mics on the show tonight, including my own. First, let's welcome Jimmy Guards. Gigum, you guys. And of course, we have Jay Arnold. Top of the morning to you. And the song that you just heard is probably Rain and Jimbo's. I haven't really decided yet, but uh, Surf Aggieland was widely panned by our Twitter listeners. Allegedly. Is panned good? <laughs> I, I think panned is bad based on People Magazine has picks and pans, and, and the pans are the things they don't like. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was not well received. So, um, of course, instead of just accepting that, I am working on another theme song. <laughs> Back to the drawing board. <laughs> which, uh, which I'll probably introduce next week and then they can make fun of that and that'll kind of become a, a ongoing bit right like freddie mercury didn't make bohemian rhapsody right away right yeah that's what i'm thinking and we also have there's like a tiny corner of the internet that really liked surf aggie land and they're already getting angry that we're not going to use it and uh just before we get rolling r.i.p string says we all knew it was coming but uh he's been suspended for the second R.I.P. and peace. Time. Yeah. Leave, those, leave those weathermen and recruits alone. I, this is a very Jay-heavy uh, agenda that I've set up here. Not to put you on the spot, Jay, but we're going to talk about some things that I have no knowledge of, and I'm, I'm not sure where Jimmy's at. But let's just roll right into you went to the open practice, which according to a 15 second Texags video was widely attended. And I guess you went there to cover practice for the other 98, your job. So could you tell us your takeaways? I know you kind of focused on the defense, but are the pads popping? Yeah. I mean, it was just kind of your basic uh, padded practice. They didn't want to give away too much just with it being an open practice. That way anybody can go, even folks without credentials like us. Uh, but I think the defensive line looks really impressive. Uh, I think the offensive line struggled a little bit. I thought both quarterbacks, Starkle and Mond, looked impressive. Uh, you know, Mond has improved leaps and bounds since last year. I think he's a lot more confident in his decision-making. And I think Starkle uh, still has the, the huge arm that everybody raved about last year. Uh, he still has to work on some of his decision-making abilities. 
but I think he's adapting to Jimbo's offense well, and it should be a really interesting quarterback battle all the way down to the first game. You heard it here first. Kellen Mond will be the starter, according to Jay Arnold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> no, but it, it sounds like everyone is amazing, which is which is the fake update that we gave a couple shows ago. So that's encouraging. Well, I mean, I can't be too negative. It's it's practice, <laughs> practice. you know. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about practice, not a game, not a game. Talk about practice. Can you tell? Were there some loafers that caught your eye? Yeah. Uh, so this guy next to me wore some really crazy shoes. Uh, I thought they were some awesome loafers. That's RCBO five. Wow. <laughs> I was waiting for to hear a click from Jimmy's line. <laughs> uh, Jay, I've got a question just uh, talking about the timeline of fall camp, and um, I'm sure going through it as a player, it feels like it never ends and uh, just very long and drawn out, and you can't wait for the season to come. From my vantage point, I've always been impressed with how much gets done in fall camp it, because – in reality, it's not that that much time. And how do you know if a team's on schedule and, you know, it's like a new defensive coordinator, there's a lot to install from, you know, getting uh, whatever new formations. How, how would you say this team is doing with an entirely new coaching staff? And does it feel like fall camp, uh, just a ton has to get done, not only from a conditioning standpoint, but from a game planning standpoint? Right. Well, I, I think the big thing is that, you did get this most of this coaching staff in during the spring. So you had a little bit of extra time to study the playbook and kind of adapt to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously going through summer workouts, you have optional practices. Uh, they're not really practices. The coaches aren't out there, but it, it's again, another chance for the kids to learn the playbook. And then you go into fall camp and you have the guys uh, really, really digging in the playbook for the first time uh, as a season prep. I mean, that light at the end of the tunnel that is the first game of the season is what everybody's really looking forward to. It's hard to tell exactly how the team's going to be until you play that first game. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even if it is a, a Division One AA or FCS or whatever the hell they call it nowadays team, you know, you, you'd still get a feel for the roster in that first matchup. Sure. I don't know too many players' names, but <laughs> – <laughs> On the you mentioned the defensive line, so I I know Daylon Mack and I know Bobby Brown just because he has a, a an awesome name. But did anybody really stand out to you that it was kind of surprising? Uh, Bobby Brown, a true freshman, is the kid that really popped to me. Uh, in practice, we did this thing. I, at least under someone, it was called run hole where you would have the offensive line and the defensive line work against each other, simulating run schemes. And Bobby Brown was able to take on a double team between an offensive tackle and tight end and fight through it like it was nothing, which as a true freshman is unbelievable. I mean, when I, when I was a true freshman going in there doing that same drill, uh, my ass was put on roller skates, if I'm being honest. All right, so I'm psyched about our uh, tight ends and offensive line. <laughs> that's that's what you want to read into. No, yeah. but I, honestly, our our tight ends are pretty impressive too. 
I mean, I'm, I'm mostly focused on the defensive side of the ball, but geez, I mean, Trevor Wood, like the kid's an absolute unit. The size of that lad, you know? Woody unit. <laughs> to, to Jimmy's point, when you when you say the defensive line is one of, if not the most impressive unit, all I'm thinking about is Clemson's defensive line against the offensive line they were facing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm legitimately terrified for that game. Even if <laughs> even if the offensive line was the strength of our team, which it isn't, right? I would be scared shitless about playing Clemson's defensive line, which has been ranked by some publications as the best defensive line of all time. <laughs> all time, yeah. It's like yeah, the best unit in college out. football, and I think they—I think all of them are in ESPN's top hundred players this year as well. I mean, the the first the first team at ACC defensive line is the Clemson starting line, so that's what oh. you're looking at. We've got oh. this. We've got it, Jay. That's where Kellen Mond yeah. just comes out and runs all over the place and wears those boys down. Well, uh, he's going to be running all over the place. I don't know if it's going to be for <laughs> a positive or for his life, but one of the two. Oh, man. So, oh, man. Jay, as of uh, as of tomorrow, we're two weeks. Well, I, I should clarify, when the listeners hear this, we'll be two weeks away from uh, game day. The last two weeks of practice leading into the season, is there a fair amount of hitting? I mean, what's the right balance where you don't want anyone getting hurt, you don't want guys limping into game one, but you also got to do some pretty good simulation of uh, game speed and kind of get some licks in um, before two Thursdays. Uh, any thoughts on that front? Right. So uh, this next week before the game, uh, I should say two weeks before the game, uh, it'll be game time prep, kind of. It won't be like a normal in-season week of practice. Uh, They'll probably have some more hitting than you normally would. But then the week of the game, it'll go into like a regular season practice where your Monday practice, which obviously in this case is going to be a little bit different with it being a Thursday game. But normally uh, your Monday practice would be a lighter practice, kind of ease you into game prep, uh, prepare schemes, and then Tuesday and Wednesday are going to be your, your full patch practice all out. Uh, still doing game prep, but it's, it's going to be a lot more full speed stuff, a lot more physical stuff. Then your Thursday is going to be another lighter practice. Finally, you close off the week with your Friday walkthrough. Fly out or go to the hotel if it's an in-town game and uh, get ready for the opponent. Because of Jay's expertise on being a college football player, not to – put you on the spot with what was going on with A&M's culture or anything. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the situation at Maryland, uh, which I think is pretty intriguing on multiple fronts. So um, a player, 19-year-old Jordan McNair, died in late May, which obviously is a tragedy, but isn't even really that rare. I think 20-something players have died in the last couple decades is that have you seen any stats on that i'm just kind of making stuff up but it was it, it was a number like that i couldn't tell you yeah i like the to, actual number is i like to put you on the spot for very specific statistics <laughs> <laughs> um so the so dj durkin the head coach who took over 
for the 2016 season has been placed on administrative leave. Uh, the strength and conditioning coach, Rick Court, was placed on leave and then ultimately resigned. And the whole thing uh, in terms of the, the pressure being put on the coaching staff stemmed from this article that, that ESPN put out August 11th. And they outlined what they called a, a toxic culture. So I wanted to kind of walk through some of this stuff and get your feedback and not to exclude you, Jimmy, I want your feedback too. But Jay, since you kind of, kind of lived a culture in college football, I wanted to see um, what really stood out to you as, as being different. And cause to me, I was thinking, well, this is just a shitty training staff because it took them like an hour to call paramedics after um, Jordan McNair was showing signs of heat stroke and uh, just, a lot of unacceptable actions and, and negligence taking place there. And one interesting aspect is that the university actually accepted responsibility for, uh, for the death, which if you, if you remember what happened with UCF not too long ago, that's very rare. Usually the universities are kind of fighting tooth and nail to not take responsibility. So I don't, I don't know how closely you've been following the story, but I thought I could maybe read off some of the ESPN bullets about this toxic culture and then, and then get your reaction to, to whether these are um, unusual. So the first is that the, the coaching environment's based on fear and intimidation. In one example, a player holding a meal while in a meeting had that meal slapped out of his hands in front of the team. At other times, small weights and other objects were thrown in the direction of players when Rick Court, the strength and conditioning coach, was angry. Yeah, I can tell you right away, neither of those things ha happened at AM uh, while I was at the program. I mean, it's, it's one thing to want, I mean, to raise your voice at players. You're going to get cursed at it. That's part of it. But to throw weights and to slap food out of people's hands, definitely over the line And as far as the culture goes. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'm too new school, whatever. Uh, just my personal experience as a college football player, that's uh, that's crossing a line. Did you, that's, a, that's quite good to hear. And we there was actually a, um, an example – not too long ago where, uh, who was it? A player had signs of heat stroke and A&M's training staff did the right thing and got the body temperature down. And, and Yeah, it was uh, Coda Martin uh, during the spring practices. Yeah, yeah. And he ultimately, he's, he's doing okay now. Is that right? He transferred to Syracuse, uh, but he, he was fine after that. Obviously, it was a scary moment. Sure. But uh, I, I, these things are going to happen just with the – the size of these kids, you know, the temperatures in Texas, honestly, the fact that there hasn't been more examples of it is, is a testament to the nutrition staff at A&M and how, how, uh, how vital hydration is to them. Right. And just, and knowing how to respond to situations like that. And so, and I think that probably the point of the ESPN article is that when you have this culture of uh, humiliation and, and fear, then probably even the trainers are scared to do the right thing, um, which, which can lead to tragedy, obviously. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, there's a difference between being a hard ass and doing way too much going over the line, I think. 
if you know that the coach ultimately has your back and values your safety and you as a person, then the, the hard ass stuff really does come across as love. Like I've played for some real jerks in hockey, like guys who are really hardcore, but I knew, I hate to say at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, I knew they, that they wanted what was best for me as not only a hockey player and as a person. And those are the guys you ultimately want to like run through the per- proverbial brick wall for. Uh, but just the humiliation for almost like for sport, I think you lose a locker room really, really fast that way. And uh, that's what it sounds like is happening there. Yeah, it's and I don't I don't think there's any way DJ Durkin survives this as the coach of Maryland. What do you think? I, I don't think he should. I think he's a piece of shit, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And the, I guess the only gray area there is that I think these practices were under the leadership of the strength and conditioning coach, right? The um, pre-fall camp practices. Yeah. No, uh, like you said, this was happening in May, which yeah. would have been a strength and conditioning session. Uh, spring football is over, so it wouldn't be under Durkin at this point. But if the things that they were talking about going on in meetings – those are under Durkin's watch, so. Yeah, he probably should be fired. I guess where sometimes I feel a little bit icky about our sport is uh, if people could really answer honestly, especially if you're you know, a Maryland fan, if he's coming off a 10 or 11 win season, is he getting fired? And uh, ask that about your own program as well. Because um, a totally different situation, but you know, Urban Meyer, if he was coming off of a similar season as Maryland football, it would be an easy decision uh, for Ohio State, but he's Urban Meyer, so. Sure, yeah, and that's all still still playing out, but I guess it, it kind of looks more and more like he's going to stick around. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if, if you suspend him for a couple snoozer games and I'm uh, I'm willing to go out on uh, a limb, and not by not going out on a limb, the rarest of rare in uh, the Twitter world, and saying I don't I don't know what the right thing to do is. I don't know if it's right that uh, Urban Meyer should lose his job. It's a pretty ugly situation. Um, sorry to pivot into a wholly totally new topic, but um, no, I mean, like, like hearing all these stories. Uh, it, it honestly just pisses me off. Like I, I don't even want to watch college football anymore. It, it just it feels dirty, like you said. It feels like a, just a giant cesspool. Uh, the the way teams treat uh, these kind of stories. I mean, I don't have any confidence in any major university to to treat this kind of situation correctly at all. Yeah, and. Uh boy, there's some things that I feel like need to happen in terms of athletes having proper representation from a, from a professional, um, you know, unit, uh, agency of sorts. Um, you know, of course I've always been loud on, I think they should be compensated, but if that's not even going to happen, then they should have, uh, some legal representation, um, for matters such as this. And then, you know, Dan Wolken, uh, the, believe he's still with USA Today. I roll my eyes at a lot of stuff he tweets and says, but 
he made an interesting point that these football programs, they keep such a tight lid on the day-to-day inner workings of what's going on. And they have a very curated message that they push out to the public. I mean, look no further than I, I'm a Selman guy. I like Kevin Selman, but he kept so many players away from microphones, coaches away from microphones and, you know, all these closed practices, uh, some, not at A&M, but some bad stuff can take place when you're keeping that tight of a lid. And if the media was more involved in the day-to-day, maybe some light would get shine, shown, shined on uh, on some of these issues before they become so massive. It's uh, I'm not saying it would fix everything, but uh, it's a lot different than the NFL. I don't know why. There's just something about like, uh, there's just more transparency, oddly enough. It's just more of a professional situation when I would argue there actually needs to be more transparency at the college level because you're dealing with young men who are student athletes and uh, they're not getting paid. uh, Well, mostly not getting paid. Um, So I don't know what the answer is. I just think I would like to see some sort of change because I don't like the sport I love with all my heart feeling so dirty. To, to add to your point about the media, well, I'm going to qualify my statement by saying that I, I don't think we should get credentials. So that's not my motivation for saying this. But I also <laughs> think there's kind of this culture with football programs <laughs> with football programs in the media where you're trading what you're reporting for access. So if you're kind of towing the line and putting out uh, you know, the right words that the athletic department wants to hear and that the coaching staff wants to hear, you're much more likely to get granted better access than, than other, uh, you know, competitors or, or other outlets who are covering the team. So there's this, there's this weird incentive structure all the way through college football with coaching staffs and players and media. And it just creates this bizarre world, which is, yeah, why we have all these scandals it's like it's it's like north korea style it's almost like the conference or it would have to be the conference should be the ones who dole out credentials and the schools it's like tough shit if they have a credential from the conference they're they're allowed in yeah and Jay, the, since, since you were in the background yelling, speak for yourself, why don't you, why don't you go ahead and, uh, and drop us a plug for the other 98? Because you've been putting out a lot of content this week. Uh, some of it, which you kind of touched on in talking about the, the D-line tonight. Yeah, uh, I think you're referencing the barbecue piece, right? Yes, that was the piece I read. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. Over at the other 98, we're going to be talking a lot of A&M football and a lot of other stuff just for fun whenever I can. Uh, so come check us out. You know, we're uh, in the process of going through and trying to get credentialed. We'll see whether or not we can actually get that done at some point this season. But even if we don't, uh, we'll still have myself. Uh, we have former Texas A&M and SMU quarterback Matt Davis on staff. Uh, we have Taylor Ham covering recruiting. Uh, uh, we have an incredible managing editor in Rush Hannigan who's done an incredible job getting everything up and running. Uh, our back-end developers, led by Mark Lancaster, the whole team is uh, just incredible. Uh, it's been a real privilege to have this opportunity to work for him, and we hope you'll give us a shot and check us out. 
we have a good managing editor called Rush over at uh, Old Good Bull Hunting as well. And we've got some articles on <laughs> shoes and shit like that. <laughs> same, same, but different, but still same. <laughs> but yeah, it's the other 98.com, right? That is correct. Uh, right. Again, I want to make sure that you don't go to the far left wing conspiracy site. So if you <laughs> see anything calling to eat the rich, that will not be our site. <laughs> I love that you. We I like to that. eat barbecue. <laughs> I love that you all launched into this like weird confusion. It seems very on brand for our site to do something like that. <laughs> yeah. we we completely embrace that uh we we're known to dabble in email scandals from time to time but that's not our main focus <laughs> we uh well let's just go ahead and keep plugging stuff so as the season approaches uh the one thing you can do to help our boring old podcast is just to tell some other people to listen to it and then they can decide for themselves that they don't want to continue listening uh you could also drop us a review on itunes if you like it, only positive reviews, please. Our feelings, we're very fragile over here. God, I was also, about to say nice self-esteem, Cup. Jeez. <laughs> the only thing lower than my standards is my self-esteem. So. <laughs> but, but do tell other people who are, are pretty laid back. and, and uh, So let's have no segue to move into, I think this last thing we can hit like super rapid fire. And, Free string? No, I'm not that interested. Um, <laughs> he can take care of himself. We, I, I, I did ask um, people to kind of send in topics they wanted us to talk about. And I think most of the people believed I was asking for the bull cast. So most of the stuff you sent in is not appropriate for this show probably. Uh, but we did, we did get a couple uh, potential topics. One that's kind of, kind of simple, but you know, we are heading into Aggie tailgating season. Uh, Kyle Mays, K Mays 10. I think it's, I just assume every K is Kyle if they're an Aggie. Uh, so K Mays 10 asked us for our Aggie tailgating must haves, food, drink, music, and games. Uh, so I thought we could, we could do this real kind of rapid fire. Um, so food, Jimmy, go. Food. If you have somebody, uh, make friends with somebody who knows how to work a smoker. All right, Jimmy stole probably both of ours. Jay, food. Yeah, so on, on top of the brisket, uh, get like M&M cookies from H-E-B. That's good. That's oh, good. I would I would add, I'll add a, a point B, if because the whole smoker deal is a bit complicated. If you're in a pinch, uh, Chick-fil-A nugget trays are a big hit at tailgates. Nice, yeah. I, I love to walk into a, a tent and just see unlimited nuggets. The my food since Jimmy, I was going to say something about a smoker is if you're going to be tailgating for a while, show up with like just a shitload of breakfast tacos so that people have something to eat while they wait five hours for their their smoked meats and you'll be a hero. All right. Drink, Jimmy. Uh, Ice cold domestics and water. You'll need water. Topo Chico variety? Uh, yes, flat water and uh, Topo Chico, um, for the, both for mixing with liquor and uh, for people like me who no longer hit the sauce. How about you, Jay? Yeah, I mean, I'm also a fan of the cold beer. Uh, 
I'm sure you'll say Fireball, but also uh, <laughs> make sure you get plenty of that wonderful College Station tap water. I'm going to go anything but Fireball. And uh, I like whatever the lightest possible beer is, maybe Michelob Ultra. I was, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned this. It, uh, I know this is going to piss off craft beer people because you want to talk about a sensitive, thin-skinned group of people. Uh, <laughs> I would say an SEC football game in the fall is a day that maybe you can take a breather from your craft beer lifestyle and just drink some ice-cold canned domestics. It's going to be hot. It's a long day. And instead of sipping two oatmeal, chocolate, coffee, milk stout, IPAs. Pound of 30 a Keystone. Yes. <laughs> Do as Jay Arnold does. A 30 rack of stones. It's going to set you back about $13. And uh, it's yeah. so smooth. Yeah, it's great. No free ads, though. Yeah, no. <laughs> Thank you, potential sponsor, Keystone Beer. And if you really want the craft beer, I find Shiner to be a nice compromise. Between <laughs> <two>. <laughs> that's really going to piss them off because they'll, and, well, actually, that's not a craft beer. That's how every good uh, opening line starts. Well, actually. <laughs> All right, let's... Jay, I'm going to start with you for music. Uh, so, I mean, Texas Aggie tailgates, I like to have my personal day drinking playlist on. But I think one key particular song to include, which will go into something later, is the song Thunderstruck by ACDC. Oh, nice. Are you saving that for the game segment? Perhaps. <laughs> How about you, Jimmy? Yeah, I think most Aggies uh, hit this right. You know, it's like I, if, a, if a playlist has a combination of Texas country, preferably the old stuff, some Ray Wiley Hubbard snake farm, um, some classic rock, like my buddy Jay just said, with uh, any ACDC will do, but Thunderstruck will really get you tuned up for the game. And then uh, a little bit of yacht rock, you know, for the uh, the old people rich, who are walking rich around. Rich girl, Hall and Oates. Yeah, some Hall and Oates. Um, geez, who are, who are my other yacht rock bands? Uh, I think, Chris, I think Rick Africa, Springfield. Christopher Cross. Yeah, Rick Springfield. Kenny Loggins. <laughs> um, you know, anything that you could do a lot of cocaine and sip uh, rosé to. I'm you could also really just those. put the uh, soundtrack to Guardians of the Galaxy on. Add that to the playlist. There you go. I'm going to go in a different direction and say no music. I think the world's too damn loud as it is. And there's nothing I hate more than being next to a tailgate that's just blasting awful music for six hours. So Not you and Jimbo would get along. Yeah, raining Jimbos. <laughs> yeah, just raining Jimbos and surf Aggie Land on a loop. Oh, hell! <laughs> and wait, wait till next week. You'll you'll want that on a loop as well. <laughs> <laughs> Little teaser to bring you back. The and then finally they have an etc. But I think we'll just end it with games. So Jimmy, you want to give us your your must have game? Uh, Texans. This won't play well with the hardcore Texans. Uh, I would say cornhole over washers. I just think it's a better game. And uh, have a have a football nearby for a little catch. Hmm. 
Yeah, Never done that. Uh, I'm going the same thing. Uh, Cornhole, uh, Thunderstruck the game that goes along with Thunderstruck the song just to torture some poor soul. Can you explain uh, the rules a little bit, just briefly? Yeah, so when you're playing Thunderstruck, uh, one person starts the first time they say thunder in the song. The second time they say thunder, the next person in the circle drinks. The third time, the next person drinks, and so on and so forth. One of those is like a minute and 30 seconds. Yeah, there's a there's a guitar solo after one of the thunders, and that poor soul is in for a rough time. That's why you got to make sure you always have enough beer on deck so that they can be handed another beer to replace it when they finish. I got hit with that at a uh, local weatherman's tailgate. I don't want to name him because uh, I don't want String to come along and drop a threat. Pete Delkis, the snow czar of Dallas. <laughs> The I don't <laughs> in terms of games, like everything I like is really disgusting in a tailgate setting. Uh, because you don't really want your cups to hit the ground and you you know, hundreds of people to touch your ping pong balls and such. So but I, I really do enjoy flip cup. So if you if you got a long card table and eight, I was ten people. I was about to say not that there would ever be some shy, nerdy Aggie guys, especially who are into listening to podcasts and the whole Aggie internet, but if you have cute girls at your tailgate and you're shy and you've only had half of your craft beer, <laughs> fire up a game of Flip Cup. That's yeah. a good way to get everybody involved, everybody having a good time. It kind of just breaks the ice. Uh, I need to add one thing, though. Uh, speaking of ice, never under any circumstance approach an ice shot luge thingy those things are by far the worst things in existence Jay those are like the trademark of a good bull hunting tailgate what happened and they're also the trademark of death it's rain and jimbos rain and jimbos rain and jimbos beat or miss please